morning and welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. Welcome back to Bad Advice. If you were not with us last Sunday, this, uh, this series is a little bit different in that we explore a number of different topics and we start out with sharing some bad advice. These, these are uh, pieces of advice that maybe uh, the world has offered or that maybe you have bought into or that uh, unintentionally or unfortunately, uh, you know, different ones have followed. And then we follow that up mostly by taking a look at God's Word, the Word of God, the Bible, and to see God's advice, God's good advice for your life and for my life. And so if you were with us last week, we explored the bad advice of how to drift away from God. But the goal was to follow God's advice, God's good advice, and see how we can grow in our walk, how we can be strengthened in our walk with God. So this morning, the, uh, the challenge is this. The bad advice is how to destroy your marriage. How to destroy your marriage. Now, i got a couple questions for you at the, at the very beginning here. So how many of you in this room are currently married? Raise your hand. Just looking around. Make, make, making sure, you know, if, if your spouse does not have their hand up, kind of elbow them and say, uh, forget about me. Okay, so we've got a bunch of hands. All right, you put your hands down. How many of you in this room are not currently married, but at some point in the future, you might want to or you might like to be married? Any hands there? We've, okay, we've got some more hands there. So a bunch of hands is raised. Okay, put your hands down. One final question for you. How many of you in this room at some point in time in your life hope to wreck and destroy your marriage and uh, maybe commit adultery? Mm. Well, that's good. That's a good response in that no hands were raised. Just making sure you, you, know, you weren't just raising your hand for everything. So keeping, keeping you awake this morning. It's good news in that we've got a lot of married people. We've got some others who down the road might hope to be married, but not one of you raised your hand to say, my goal, my desire, my dream is to wreck my marriage, destroy my marriage, the one that I currently have or the one that maybe I would hope to have in the future, and oh, by the way, maybe commit adultery and do that. Not one raised your hand which is good, by the way. Let's throw that in. But the reality of the fact is this. So many people, unfortunately, do. In fact, came across this statistic. According to the Journal of Psychology and Christianity, up to 65% of husbands and 55% of wives will commit adultery. Wow. Now, there's truth in God's Word. The overarching truth in God's Word is from Exodus chapter 20. You might be able to recount this. Exodus chapter 20, verse 14. Exodus chapter 20, verse 14. This is one of the top ten, right? Ten commandments. You shall not commit adultery. Now, if you were to poll people, even people who are not Christians, 
People who don't necessarily believe the word of God. People who don't necessarily dig into Exodus chapter 20 and stand upon verse 14. The majority of people in the world would say adultery, wrong. Adultery, not good. Destroying and wrecking your marriage is not good. And yet, so many individuals do. So, Again, just to give you the heads up at the beginning, we're going to go through bad advice first. This is the advice not to listen to. This is the advice not to follow. But unfortunately, what many people do end up following. Bad advice number one is this. Neglect your marriage. Neglect your marriage. Find something else maybe to give your best to hobby, a, a sport, shopping, your yard, your job, your kids, social media. Find anything other than your spouse to commit and invest your time with. Take your spouse for granted. Focus on yourself. Purely neglect the marriage that you are invested in. Secondly, Form emotional bonds with somebody else. Whether that's in the community, whether that's in the job, whether that's here or there, find somebody else to start meeting those emotional needs. Begin to tell yourself, well, they understand me, not like my spouse does. I mean, this person, they, they just get me, not like my spouse does. Flirt when possible, and then definitely hide it all from your spouse. Keep all of this stuff hidden so your spouse, your significant other, the one that you are dating, does not see what's going on. This is literally an everyday, every week occurrence, is it not? Just about every day, somebody that is well-known or famous in the politics world, even in ministry world, in sports world, in music world, you're seeing marriages break apart. Marriages split apart. Dating relationships split apart. Big news in, in this area or in this state as one of the Members of the Cleveland Cavaliers, making millions and millions of dollars, is not married but is in a very serious dating relationship with a woman who has a baby, and a baby was born this week. News came out in not just the tabloids, but in just about every single newspaper and website across the nation about this individual with a pregnant girlfriend showing him with not one or two or three or four, potentially five was the last number that I heard, pictures and videos of this guy with another woman. Not LeBron, it was somebody else. Didn't matter who it is. Whether it's this person or another person, we see that. Destroying marriages, destroying relationships. Now, they're having a, a child together. Will, will they get married? Will they split apart? We don't know. But this is a, a very real issue 
If you neglect the one that you're with, begin to form emotional bonds with somebody else, and they, oh, they, they just get me, they understand me. Begin to hide things from the spouse, anticipating time together with this individual, using technology to form those bonds. Whether it's the cell phone, whether it's the, the texting, whether it's the emailing, whether it's the direct messaging, whether this is just simply good old-fashioned meeting in person. Continue to build and form emotional bonds with somebody else other than your spouse, and you're well on the way to destroying that relationship, destroying that marriage. Number three, make excuses. Make excuses. Rationalize why you're doing this. Rationalize why you've tried to find somebody else or, or gotten connected with somebody else. The easiest way is just simply say, well, it's not my fault. It's the other person in the marriage. It's the other person in the relationship. I mean, if they were meeting my needs, I wouldn't need this. Make excuses. Well, if they would just pay more attention to me. Make excuses and say, you know what, I, I'm never actually going to go through with this, but this is, this is just something that I'm kind of dabbling in. It's, it's playful. It's harmless. It's a little, little flirting between coworkers. It's not that big a deal. Don't worry. Nothing's going to happen. For some, maybe, they believe that this relationship somehow is meant to be. Maybe some even make it spiritual. God led me to this person. So I, I, I need to get rid of this person I'm with to get with this other person because God told me. We're not sure what to do with that, whether we laugh or groan or smile. Those are bad principles of advice. That if these things are followed, which so many in the world unfortunately do follow, the end result is a weakened, crushed relationship and marriage. It's bad advice. I, I don't necessarily believe that people plan on abandoning that person that they said, I do, to. You remember, for those married, uh, might have been a few years, but remember that thing in, in the marriage when you're looking into each other's eyes and you said something like, I do, Following the minister, which, you know, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. Remember that part? I don't necessarily know that people who come to a, a church, come to a, a justice of the peace, look that person in the eye and say, I do. I don't think in their minds what they really mean is, I do for just a little bit, and then I'm just going to crush and wreck and destroy the marriage. I, I don't think that's the heart or the attitude behind most people. What ends up happening, though, is marriages, relationships, are being destroyed as a result. So that's plenty. Plenty of time on the bad advice. Let's get rid of that. Let's move into some of the good advice. How do we strengthen our marriage? God gives some words of encouragement, some words of wisdom, some words of advice. And I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 5. 
Proverbs 5 is, in a sense, the way it's written. It's written as if a father writing words of wisdom and advice to a son. It's an incredible chapter. Uh, We won't have time to go through every verse on this entire chapter. We're going to look at a number of them. But I encourage you, read through this chapter on your own. And as the the father is kind of writing towards a son, this, this parent towards a child, he's basically saying temptation is real, so get ready and do whatever it takes to get out of it. Do whatever it takes to get away from the temptation. So we're going to look at just a a handful of wisdom and and principles from God's Word on how we can strengthen our marriage. Those of you that have raised your hands and said, I am married, let's try to put these things into practice. Others of you who'd raise your hand and say, maybe down the road at some point I would like to be, these are some good words of wisdom and principle from God's Word to keep in mind. Number one, to strengthen our marriage, let's reduce the risks. Here's what is written in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 8. This father writing towards a son says, as he's describing, and and you're looking at um, the chapter heading or the section heading, and some of your Bibles might talk about it as as, uh, the adulteress or the immoral woman. But this is a very real temptation to this son. So as the father is riding towards his son, he says, Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Now, if you're a woman, that doesn't let you off the hook. Just because it's the father riding to a son doesn't mean that this is only men who are facing challenges of straying or facing challenges of giving into temptation. Women do the same things, true? So the principle is that, that, that temptress, that tempter, the adulteress, the adulterer, the immoral man, the immoral woman, that individual, that temptation, he's writing to the son, and he's saying, keep away, keep far from that person, from that situation, from that temptation. Do not go near the door of her house. Stay away. You want to you start reducing the risks Stay away from some of those things of temptation. Do whatever it takes to stay far away. Now, I think when it comes to reducing the risks, we've got to do something I call redefine the line. So I brought some, uh, some duct tape with me here. Don't you love the sound of that? Yeah. See how sticky that is. All right, so I'm going to tear off a a piece here. We've got to redefine the line. So visually, what's going to happen is I'm going to place this piece of duct tape on this line here at the front of the sanctuary at the end of this center aisle. Some of you can see me place it down. Others of you might not be able to to catch it. But there's a, uh, a, a place where the carpet is joined. So we're going to make that our line this morning. And so as we're talking about destroying the marriage, as we're talking about committing adultery, we look to this, and we look to this line of adultery, and what we say, what the tendency of people to say is this, 
this act of adultery, this line of adultery, I don't want to cross the line because then I will have sinned. So what is the line? They say, well, the line is adultery. The line is that physical, sexual act with somebody not my spouse. So I don't want to cross that line because that is sin and I, I would be committing adultery. So I've got to stay behind the line. So maybe we start over here. And we seem pretty decently far from the line, but little by little through culture, through acceptance, through media, through temptation, little by little we end up creeping in and getting closer to that line. Maybe it's things that we listen to that plant some impure thoughts in our minds and hearts of music, of television, of, of movies. Maybe it's, it's some of those innocent conversations in the workplace or in the community and just, just making conversation and unfortunately or accidentally, maybe sparks begin to fly. And you begin to do some of those things we've just talked about. Begin to neglect some of the time with your spouse. Begin to think about and anticipate and, and seek to create some of the emotional bonds with somebody else. All the while telling yourself, I'm well behind the line. Because the line's up there. The line is when you give in and you do the physical, sexual act of adultery. So I'm purely fine if I text this person who's not my wife. I'll make it spiritual and I'll, I'll let them know that God laid them on my heart. I'll call this person. I'll intentionally reroute my steps to walk past this person in the office, to walk past this, to go towards where this person is so that I can somehow connect with this person and begin maybe even in some connections and conversations and, and meeting even together. And it's purely business. All the while, intentionally or unintentionally, getting closer and closer and closer to the line. We say, as long as I'm behind the line, I'm good. And here's what today's culture, today's society is. We, we want to we get as close to the line as we can while staying behind it. So, okay, I'm behind the line, but what, what if I were to do this? I'm behind the line, I'm, I'm getting kind of close. See, I'm good. I'm safe. Let's, let's get a little more risky. Okay. If I can move my foot like this, I can kind of balance myself. Whew. Still behind the line. Oh, well, if that was good. And we're doing whatever it takes to stay behind the line and to tell ourselves and others, I'm good. I'm behind the line. I have not committed quote, adultery. I have not given in to that physical, sexual act. Might I submit to us this morning, if we're wanting to reduce the risks, if we're wanting to strengthen the relationship, 
strengthen the marriage of what God has blessed us, we're going to redefine the line and not say, well, how close can I get to the line without going over? But rather, how far away from that line can I get? Because I don't want to be near that line. I've got to do what it takes to be far away from that line. So maybe, maybe I'll make my way over here. Which one seems to be a little riskier when it comes to giving in to temptation, when it comes to giving in to the lust of the flesh or the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, even as it relates to relationships, as it relates to marriages? Being as far away from the line as possible and not even putting ourselves in situations that would tempt us or coming up as close as possible, giving in to the conversations, giving in to those situations that tempt, giving in little by little by little. We've got to redefine the line. And it's not just about adultery. It's not just about marriages. It's about sin in general. We identify what the line is and we say, okay, thou shalt not steal. What that really means is, thou shalt not steal anything I think I shouldn't steal. And we rationalize little things here and there. And we, we rationalize cheating on this and that. But as long as I didn't break into somebody's house and steal, I'm good. See, we rationalize, we make excuses, and the same thing happens in our relationships and in our marriages. Well, if, as long as I'm behind this line, I might have done all kinds of things, but I haven't done that. And that's our, our thoughts, that's our culture's thoughts so many times. We've got to redefine the line got to understand that that line of sin, that line of temptation, it starts well behind what we think is the line. Temptation and sin, it it creeps into our our thought life, creeps into our hearts and into our minds. As we're way back here and, and we're confronted with temptation, we are challenged with how are we going to respond to that? Our responses to those temptations are either going to bring us closer to that line or keep us farther away. It starts in our minds, starts in our eyes, starts in our hearts. In fact, Jesus says this, Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 and 28. You have heard that it was said, you should not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Wow. Isn't that a challenge? We say the lines here, Jesus is saying that, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. Here's the line, don't step over it. Jesus said, I'll take that and I'll raise you. If you look at a woman lustfully, not just if you look at a woman, I'm thankful that we can look and that our eyes are are functioning. It's not the look. It's that second look, that longing look, that 
lustful look. He said, if you look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed that act in your heart. So he's, he's saying, redefine the line. It's not just about here. It starts way back here. In our thought patterns, our speech, our actions, our attitudes. Put it this, this way in, in the day of technology. What if our spouses were to see a video of everything we said and thought and did and every person we interacted with all day? Would they be blessed or bummed, to put it mildly? Would our interactions bless them or destroy that marriage and that relationship? You say, okay, well, Pastor Mark, I'm not married, so yeah, you, you go get those married people. You lay it on them hard. If you're not married, let me ask you the same question, but twist it. Your future spouse, the one that you hope to have one day, if they were to get some video presentation that showed everything you've, you've thought or said or spoken or taken part in, places you've gone, interactions with other people previous to meeting them and even during meeting them, would they be blessed by what they see or disgusted? What are we taking part in? What are we allowing to come into our, our eyes and our minds and our hearts? Reading, watching, listening to? What jokes are we laughing at or being entertained by? Do we rationalize the sin and say, at least I've not crossed the line? Or are we truly recognizing the challenges and the temptations of sin that exist well beyond and well behind that so-called line? So we, I think we've got to redefine the line. I believe we also need to keep growing in God. The more that we continue growing, the closer that we're getting to God... The stronger we're getting in that walk with him, uh, the less likely we're going to be giving in to sin and giving in to the temptation that's going to come our way. We're not immune. We're not exempt. Each and every one of us in, in multiples of different ways are and will be tempted. But the closer that we go to God, the closer that we grow in our walk and relationship, the stronger we're going to be able to resist those temptations. Next, don't be alone with the wrong people. Just because it might be accepted in business doesn't mean that it's wise. This was, this was interesting. Uh, big, big, big to-do was made. Earlier, earlier this year, maybe last year, on the revelations of Mike Pence, our vice president, when it became known that some of his thoughts would be that he would never be alone with a woman, he was absolutely killed and crucified all across the nation for this archaic, what an idiot would have a, a thought like that, to never be alone with a woman. I mean, don't you know what business is about? You, you got to go in a car with a woman. You got to have lunch with women. You, your, your company sends you to a hotel, you and another woman. I mean, that's just business. He said, no, I'm not going to do that. Killed him for it. Just a little while ago, man of God passed away, Billy Graham. 
one of the things he was honored for was his stance on this very topic. Years and years ago, decades ago, he signed what was called the Modesto Manifesto. He and another other uh, individuals in ministry, one of the things that they pledged to do was that they would never be alone with a member of the opposite sex. Is that saying that they are just super Christians? Is that them saying that they are terrible Christians and so susceptible to temptation? They're just simply saying, what's wisest is not even to give room for conversation. And so what was, one of the things that was honored about Billy Graham was one of the things that was absolutely lambasted the vice president. Don't be along with, with the wrong people. The more that we put ourselves in that situation, the more opportunities we give for some of those emotional bonds to start. And we say, oh, but that's never going to happen to me. How many people have said those words? And it's not saying that we are somehow so weak and, and, and we, we've got to have this, this crutch out. It's just simply saying, wise up and understand that we don't need to put ourselves in situations to even tempt or to even get other people opportunity or room to talk. Well, I saw so-and-so and so-and-so together. Might have been purely innocent. Conversation start. Reduce the risks. Never being alone with the wrong people. That's one way to reduce the risks. Surround yourself with strong marriages. Find other men and women. Find individuals that you can learn from and grow from. Just last week, we were talking about uh, you know, our growth in God and not, not slipping away from God. And we used the scripture that said, bad company corrupts good character. It's the same thing in, in our marriages, in our lives, in our relationships. We're going to become more like the people that we hang around with. So if we're hanging out a lot of times with a lot of couples who are far from God and their, their marriages are at odds over each other and they're talking and, and uh, just putting each other down and, and negative about one and negative about the other, what's going to have the tendency to happen is for some of that to creep into our relationships and our marriages. Surround yourselves with individuals that can speak life into you. Be around people whose marriages you want to have. Surround yourself with strong marriages and avoid tempting situations. Hanging out with inappropriate people and inappropriate places, sometimes it's just simply saying no. Coworkers going out to the bar after work, say no. Skip the alcohol. Friends going to that party after school, Say no. Alcohol or drugs, hooking up, taking place. Don't even be in the situation. Don't even be in that place that would cause yourself to be tempted to give in. Get spam in your email, promising you stuff from somebody that you don't know. There's a button called delete, 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 block sender. Co-worker at work with a tempting situation, get transferred to a different department. Go, go find a different job. Now, pastor, you're just going too far there. Am I? Which is easier? You tell me. 
finding a new job, or rebuilding a 20, 30-year marriage because of a decision that you made to ruin that marriage. Tell me what's easier. What's extreme about helping to reduce the risks? We're wanting to have strong relationships, wanting to have strong marriages. We've got to take some strong decisions. Do whatever it takes. That's what the the writer here in Proverbs is, this father towards his son, he's saying, listen, temptation is real. It's going to be in all kinds of forms. He's writing it about this immoral woman, but just look into your life. You know what the, the temptations have been for you. It might not be a person. It might be something else. He's saying the temptation is real. We've got to do what it takes to reduce the risks and make good, godly, biblical decisions. Secondly, How do we strengthen our marriage? Invest in it. Invest in our marriage. Invest in our relationship. Proverbs chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. This is in the the message version or translation, more of a, a modern paraphrase. He says, enjoy the wife you married as a young man, lovely as an angel, beautiful as a rose. Don't ever quit taking delight in her body. Never take her love for granted. Why would you trade enduring intimacy for cheap thrills? The NIV here says to be intoxicated or captivated in her love. It's saying invest in your marriage. Invest in that spouse that you are with. Be thankful for and blessed by that spouse. You know, the the old phrase, if the grass looks greener somewhere else, Water your own yard. Invest in your relationship. Invest in your marriage. Invest in your spouse. Is it going to take time and energy and effort and and resources to, to rebuild or to continue to keep strong? Yes to all the above. Get alone. Try to find some time, maybe just the two of you as a husband and wife, to invest time. It can be a challenge, certainly with uh, children and, and various ages that might be represented or whatever the case might be in your place. It might not be get, get alone for you know, a month or get alone for an entire week. It might simply be get alone for a morning or get alone, get, to get alone for an afternoon for a, a one-night uh, little trip together. Get alone and invest in your marriage. After getting alone, get together. Get together emotionally, investing in conversation and investing in building up those relational and and emotional bonds between a husband and a wife. Get together spiritually to pray, to read God's word together, to attend church together, to get involved in ministry together. Grow in God together. Get involved and get connected. Get together spiritually, emotionally, physically. Whether that's hugs, kisses, trips to the bedroom, all of those types of things. Invest in your relationship. The writer is saying, enjoy that spouse. Don't ever take her love for granted. 
Same thing written towards a woman. Don't take his love for granted. Continue to invest in that marriage. It's, it's not just doing some of these last things. Sometimes when, when individuals are in relational issues in a marriage, sometimes they think, well, if, if we just head to the physical part, that's gonna, that'll, that'll just solve it all. That might be a component. But don't leave out the spiritual, the emotional, the relational, the, the time of connecting. All of that is involved in strengthening and building up the marriage. Do some of those things that you did at the start. As you were investing time together in that dating relationship, in that, those early married days. Don't neglect some of those things, but keep them going. So we get alone, get together, and then if need be, get help. Find somebody to speak into your life, a, a pastor, a Christian counselor. Find somebody with skill to help if there's particular issues that are taking place. Throw your hands up in the air and say, now what? Find someone to help. This father's investment in his son, he's saying, do what you can to passionately and with all you've got, invest in this marriage. Finally, visualize the consequences. Picture what would take place if you gave in, you did do these things. Here's what the writer writes in Proverbs chapter 5, verses 3 to 5. Again, from the message. It's a pretty blunt, straightforward reading. He says, The lips of a seductive woman are oh so sweet. Her soft words are oh so smooth. But it won't be long before she's gravel in your mouth, a pain in your gut, a wound in your heart. She's dancing down the primrose path to death. She's headed straight for hell and taking you with her. <clears throat> the message translation. See, I, I don't think that people think, well, one day I want to potentially risk losing my marriage, losing the risk and the respect of my children, hurting my reputation, and dragging the name of Jesus Christ through the mud. I don't think that is the goal and the desire of men and women. We want to be found faithful. Let's think ahead. Let's plan ahead. Visualize the destruction of what would take place of giving in to these temptations. Visualize sitting down to tell your spouse what you've done, to tell your kids what you've done, because this thing has come out. Why you can't be in that house anymore after somehow this has split your marriage apart. Then imagine standing before the Lord to give the account. Here's what Proverbs 5, verses 21 through 3 read. Mark well that God doesn't miss a move you make. He's aware of every step you take. The shadow of your sin will overtake you. You'll find yourself stumbling all over yourself in the dark. Death is the reward of an undisciplined life. Your foolish decisions trap you in a dead end. Part of this is, is visualizing the destruction that would take place if these things that we're talking about involve us. We said last week, the enemy's business card reads like this. As Jesus spoke about, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. 
Unfortunately, he's been doing a pretty good job. It's not just those other people. It's not just those non-Christians who some of these things have been happening to. You see the news. You see some of the reports. You see some of the articles. The enemy has been doing pretty, pretty intense work. Visualize and understand God sees what's taking place. Spouse, family might not. God sees. And, and for as often as people think it's not going to come out, how many times does it come out? I mean, that, that's what boggled my mind as, as I read the story of that Cleveland Cavaliers player. It just boggled me. He is a famous basketball player making millions of dollars per year. He's on television nearly every week. Who in the world is not going to know who he is? As he's with somebody who's not his wife because he's not married. It's not his girlfriend who's pregnant and with child. It's somebody else. Or these two girls over here are somebody else. How in the world... Does somebody think it's not going to get out? We say, oh, but I'm not famous like that person, Pastor Mark. I can keep it hidden. Good luck. We say, well, I'm behind that line. I'm, I might be doing stuff that's not right, but at least I'm not doing that. Picture the destruction. Picture the consequences in our personal spiritual life with God, in our marriage with our spouse, Children, grandchildren, associates, co-workers, classmates, whatever the case might be, people that we are connected to suffer and take a hit when somebody falls. Visualize the consequence. Now, here's what some people would say. We're in love. We're going to live happily ever after. This is the person I was meant to be with. They understand me, not like my spouse. Okay, I don't know how they came up with these statistics, but here's the statistics of those odds. What percentage of people actually end up marrying the other person in a relationship? 3%. Of those, what percent of those marriages end in divorce? 75%. So only 3% of everybody that's cheating on their spouses and relationships actually get together and married, and only 25% of them stay together. So 25% of 3% is what? 0.075, less than 1%. Stick it out with the person that they have cheated with. That's the odds. I mean, it makes sense, right? Everything about that relationship is built on what? Lies and deceit and keeping things hidden. So when you've got two people lying and deceiving and keeping things hidden and you get them together, oh, you've got twice the liar, twice the deceivers in one relationship. Oh, that's going to work perfect. It makes sense that those relationships don't. There's no trust. There's no integrity. There's no Jesus Christ at the center of that home. God's advice, given through this, this father towards his child, not just about a, a dad to a son, not just speaking to men, 
But the principles is this. You want to invest in your marriage, invest in your future marriage and your future relationship? Do whatever it takes to radically reduce the risks. Do whatever it takes to passionately invest in your marriage and in your relationship. And do whatever it takes to visualize the consequences of falling in that marriage. 